0: Good morning, Grand Point. Man, it's so good to have you here. This is a great time of the year, isn't it? Great time to be in church. I love this Advent season and everything that's happening in it. Uh, Before we jump into our message today, two quick announcements. Tonight, 6 o'clock p.m., this room is going to be filled with Jingle Jam. Uh, So if you have kids, grandkids, come on out here tonight. Let's just rock this place as we celebrate uh, Christ's coming uh, with our kids. Uh, This Wednesday is First Wednesday. Uh, Many of you know here at Grand Point, First Wednesday is Food. It's meal time. We gather together in the in the multi-purpose room for some dinner. Uh, turkey soup, I think, is on the menu for this week. It's going to be good. And then we're going to, uh, you know, come in here. We have some time of prayer. What we're going to be doing is uh, kind of praying through the Advent season and the different things that we're talking about and some of the practical. Uh, exchanges that we're looking forward to. So we invite you uh, tonight and then also uh, Wednesday as well. Well, last week when we were together, we finished the book of the revelations. Great book, wasn't it? Great study. And Doug did a great job reminding us that revelation does not end with destruction, but rather it ends with an invitation. And uh, Doug took us to that last uh, chapter of the Bible, second to last verse, where it says in Revelation chapter 20, uh, 22, verse 20, he who testifies." To these things. That's Jesus, right? This is a revelation of Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. That's how he ends this. And then I love what John does after that. John John just comes back and says, amen, come Lord Jesus. Anybody feel like that today? Amen, come Lord Jesus. Man, let's just end this. uh, Let's bring all things new. So that ends with uh, uh, this perfect invitation. And we're gonna continue that invitation all through December. In fact, every time we meet in December, all the way through Christmas Eve, we're going to be extending that invitation along with something that's very specific. And so today, we're going to say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, replace our fear with your peace. I love this Advent season, and last week, we lit the Advent candle of hope. Hope is simply characteristic of expectation, and it's not some kind of a wishful thinking kind of a hope, but it is a confident expectation that this is what we're going to receive. This is what Jesus Christ is. This is who he came to be to us. And then today, we light the candle of peace. And so we're gonna talk a lot about that this morning. Lord, come and exchange our fears with your peace. I don't know if you knew this or not, but that command, do not fear, is the most common command in the entire Bible the entire Bible. The, the, the number one command in the entire Bible is do not fear. So if you go all the way back, a couple of things that come to my mind, you go all the way back in the Old Testament, God had this group of people, actually a nation that were his own. He, it, it was Israel. And uh, God planned this promised land for them. So he calls this guy by the name Moses to lead them into the promised land. And uh, Moses did his best at this. But when he was 120 years old, he's like, man, I'm too old for this. So he got Joshua, right, to, to lead the people from there on. And so Joshua leads the people to the promised land and they come to that land. There's a lot of challenges going into this, but in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse eight, uh, it says this, the Lord himself will go before you, right? If you're about to enter this land, this new place, the Lord himself will go before you and will be with you. Listen, he will never leave you or forsake you. And then here comes the command, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged to take this big step. A millennium later, right, there's a whole bunch of other people who received the very same command, do not fear. There's this guy by the name of Zachariah. He was a priest and he was serving God in the temple and he was offering prayers and sacrifices to God. And one of the prayers that he was praying over and over again was, God, just give me and my wife, Elizabeth, a baby, right? They didn't have any kids. And and so one day while he was praying this prayer, uh, this angel stood beside him, scared him to death. But then the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because I'm going to honor your prayer. I'm going to grant you what you offered. And then there's this account in uh, Matthew chapter one, right, where Joseph gets this news that his fiancee, Mary, is pregnant. And it threw him into this, my goodness, what do I do now, right? You've got to be kidding moment because he's running through all the scenarios in his mind about what this will mean, right? And and like, people are going to talk about us and there's going to be a lot of shame. And so while he's contemplating all this, an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Jump over to Luke chapter one, where Mary gets this news that she's going to have a baby. And her first response was, how can this be? Right? I'm a virgin. There's no way that this could be happening to me. Why me? And an angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, do not fear for you are highly favored. Luke chapter two. Right? These shepherds are out there just for another night of shepherd duty, right? Watching their flocks at night. All of a sudden, sudden the heavens lit up and the angels appear. And depends what Bible translation you read, it says they were sore afraid. That simply means they were scared to death. And one of the angels, uh, just shouted from the heavens and said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Uh, for I'm bringing you great news. So over and over and over again, even through the Christmas story, we have these commands, do not fear, do not be afraid. uh, And and all that is as common language. Now I did some research uh, this week because I wanted to kind of understand like how many many different kinds of diagnosed fears are there out there? So you can get all your answers on Google. So I Googled like how many fears are there? And I came up with over 2000 fears. Right, so number one, there's a fear of heights, right? And uh, I get it, man. That's me. Uh, I came to realize this a couple of years ago when Penny and I were in Colorado doing some hiking, and there was this one place called Pulpit Rock. And so Penny's like, "Hey, well, you're a preacher, and there's a pulpit. You got to get your you got to get your picture taken at Pulpit Rock, right? Just kind of makes sense. So so here we are at uh, Pulpit Rock, and Pulpit Rock is like right over my head is is the peak of that. So to get to pulpit rock, the first thing you have to do is walk through this rattlesnake infested grass area, right? So there's even a sign that says, be careful, there's rattlesnake. That's a fear by itself, isn't it? All by itself, fear of snakes. So we walk through this path and we get to this, this this mountain. It doesn't look very big there, but I, I don't think it was even more than 2,000 feet of climbing, but we're climbing up this mountain and Penny's going like a gazelle in front of me and I'm kind of just trudging behind. We're getting to this rocky part. The top of it is all rocks. I mean, this is boulder upon boulder upon boulder. And I'm like, is this one gonna move, right? Is this one secure? And Penny's going up over them and I'm like hugging every rock and just looking ahead at her and saying, get away from the edge, get away from the edge. Cause you know what happens when you're on the edge and something happens. But I realized at that moment that I had a fear of heights that I didn't re- realize. So even now, like ladders are not my favorite thing anymore. It's, it's, it's just good for me getting up here in this stage, right? But, uh, so there's a fear of heights. There's a fear of spiders. There's a fear of dentists. Uh, there's a fear of belly buttons. That was on the list. I have no idea what that's about, except like a major major Audi or something like that. But so anyway, one of the fears, and I I wanna wanna see if you would agree with this, but on this list, there was this fear called glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking, speaking in public. Would anyone here just admit that that's kind of one of your fears, speaking in public? A a, a few of you, not not, not as many as I thought, but for those of you that raised your hand, would you stand up right now and just tell us how you feel about that? (laughs) <laughs> I just thought maybe that would help you overcome but uh but there was one other fear in this list and then we'll move on but it was this is this incredible fear that was called um uh ablutophobia ablutophobia and it's the fear of washing or bathing and I was going to ask if there's anyone here that has that fear, but I think we probably already know, right? That's why we're not sitting next to you. But considering the credible, uh, this research credible, it says there's only two fears that you're that you're born with, which is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Those are the only ones that you're born with. Now, if there's any credibility to this research, that simply means that all of these other fears are fears that we learn. And if they're fears that we can learn, then we can also unlearn them. But I wanna take that a step further today. I believe all the fears that we have in our lives can be overcome through the power of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And we're gonna work through that this morning because I believe that there's someone in this room today that has a fear that needs to be driven out today. If you came in here today and your life is characterized by some kind of a fear or maybe even paralyzed by a fear, I want you to know today, first of all, that you're in great company. The second thing I want you to know today is you're in the right place because I believe that God wants to go to work on some of those fears this morning, right here in this hour, right with those of us who are in here today. So what I wanna do is I wanna tell you a story. I wanna tell you a story from Mark chapter four and the story has to do with fear, but also it has to do with the remedy for fear. And I want you to listen. You might, uh, you might recognize this, but it goes like this. Mark chapter four, verse 35. Now, I want you to give this, I want to set the scene here before I read this, but Jesus is out here by the sea, Sea of Galilee. He's with a few of his close friends, his disciples, and then a whole crowd of people that came around him. So that's the setting. I want you to get that in your mind, and here, here's the text. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go to the other side. Now, most likely, he was speaking to his few disciples who were following him and leaving the crowd, they took him, They, the disciples took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. And there were other boats with them. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern. Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. I want to pause there for a second, because I want you to see the significance of the fact that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. So this is not like falling asleep in church. Like where you just kind of doze off, right? And your head's nodding and all of a sudden you drop your phone and it scares you and everyone around you. And then you you pick it up and you act like you weren't sleeping kind of thing. This is not that. Listen, when there's a cushion, there's an intentional nap that's coming, right? So Jesus had had a cushion. You're going to, if you have a cushion, you're going to find a nap. He meant to do this. So if you start bringing a cushion to church, I know exactly what your intent is right? You're going to go to sleep. I suggest if you do that, maybe go up to the balcony see if you can find six foot. I don't even think there's a six foot space in this place right now. So you're going to have to sit, you're going to have to sleep sitting up perhaps. But, but if you bring a cushion, I know what your intent is. This was not some incidental or accidental dozing off in the boat. No, Jesus was taking a nap. He was asleep. Now in verse 38, it also says the disciples woke him And they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and and said to the sea, say the next word with me, Peace. peace, peace. That's who our Jesus is. It's what he came to do. It's what he came to bring. Came to bring peace into whatever storm it is that's in your life right now. He came to bring peace to this storm right here. And when he said, peace, be still, the wind ceased and it says there was a great calm. And then he said to them, he said to them, he asked them two questions. He says, number one, why are you afraid? Or why do you fear? And, and accompanying that same question was, do you still have no faith? And then it says in this text, in this text, uh, it says, and they were extremely fearful. And they said to one another, who is this guy? Now, what I want you to see Jesus doing here is he puts fear and faith at the opposite ends of the spectrum. It's like fear and faith do not go together. Why do you fear? Do you still have no faith? Now, what is common about fear and faith is that both of these things are what we take on when we come to the very end of ourselves. When we're at a place where we have to relinquish control, it's either fear or it's faith. It's it's like what happens when you come to the place where like I don't I don't know what to do anymore, like I don't know how we're going to get through this. I just don't know what to do. It's at those moments where we either adopt fear into our lives or we adopt faith. And so what Jesus is doing right here in this story is this: He's saying. Uh, now, when Jesus woke up, like, I don't know if he was real happy because he went into this rebuke mode, right? But I don't know how you are when you get woken up from a nap either, but Jesus rebuked the wind, but, but to be in his side, I'm not the happiest either when someone wakes me from a nap. But he rebukes the wind, and then he kind of rebukes the disciples by asking these questions. Why, why are you afraid? And do, why, why, don't you have any, any faith? But what Jesus is doing here, he's placing these two things at opposite ends of the spectrum. It's like you either have fear or you have faith. And what Jesus is saying is whenever there's a storm that comes into your life, whatever it is, you have a choice to make. And you can choose fear or you can choose faith. But whichever one you choose is the one that will grow. Whichever one of these that you feed will grow in your life. Whichever one of these you focus on is what will grow. You focus on fear, that's what's going to grow in your life. You focus on faith, that's what's going to grow. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, you think about your own life and your own situation, think about the last time you were fearful. I bet it was because you lost control of something. Something in your life, circumstances or whatever, was out of your control, so now there's a fear that comes in. And it makes sense. Now from this story, I wanna take two questions and I wanna do a deep dive into these two questions. One of them is a question that Jesus asked and the other is a question that the disciples asked. So if you picked up a handout on the way in, this is where you begin taking notes. By the way, I heard that when you get to heaven, Jesus is gonna ask to see your sermon notes to say. (laughs) So uh, you do what you want to with these, with these notes. Some of you are not note takers, that's okay. But I don't want you to miss the truth that lies within this lesson from this very simple storm here. Uh, so the first question, and it's a twofold question, and that's the question that Jesus asked the disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still not have any faith? That's We're gonna put that together in one question. And the second question is, who is this man? This is the the question that the disciples ask among each other when they saw what Jesus did with the storm. But I want to spend some time on this first question today. Why do you fear and do you not have any faith? Because I believe that there's someone in this room today and you're experiencing a fear in your life right now. I don't know who it is. Maybe there's more than one. Maybe it's all of us. Experiencing some fear in our lives right now, and I want to address this. So from the story of Luke, the disciples are afraid of a literal storm, and I want to put this in three categories. First of all, there is the external storm that produces fear. The external storm is, is like those things that happen outside of you. So we can't control hurricanes. We can't control tornadoes. We can't control tsunamis or even like when the largest volcano in the world blows up, there's nothing that we can do about that. We can't control that. In fact, those things are actually called acts of God right? At least in the insurance world, acts of God, we can't control that. Maybe it's what nations do against nations, like nations go to war at each other. And maybe there's the threat of, you know, a strike, the rail strike or whatever. And, and that's going to impact our business. It's going to impact our uh, production and all that. And we have these fears that are out there. Maybe the fears aren't that far away though. Maybe they're closer to home and it's the fear of finances. Like you have all these bills piling up right now and you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for them. I don't know how we're gonna get through this. Right, So you have these fear of finances. Maybe you were promised a promotion in your job and it was passed over or someone offered you another career opportunity and that didn't work out or the job that you've had for 30 years just ended and now there's all of this fear because of finances. Maybe it's a relational fear as well. And there's some relationship that you have in your life right now, it's growing cold and you're fearful that maybe this isn't going to end well. Maybe within your own marriage right now, there's talks about divorce and that just scares you to death. Maybe there's a confrontation that you need to make with a family member or a coworker or whatever it is, but all of these are external fears that are so real. Right, and, and we have to identify what they are. We have to know what they are because what's out there externally doesn't stay there. And that leads us to the second kind of fear, which is an internal fear. These are the storms that create fears inside of us, often causing anxiety and worry. And I'm glad there's none of that in this room. But there's this situation out there. There's an external factor that creates this fear inside of us. So for the disciples, the external fear was there was a storm, right? And if you've ever been in a boat and you're out there and it's rocking and it's taking on water, there's a certain fear that's out there. But that fear quickly became internal to the point that they thought that they were perishing and they were afraid of dying, which is exactly why they said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And that's a very real Fear, isn't it? Some of you are there right now because there's a loved one in your life that is in the process of dying. You're scared about what that might mean. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've received a diagnosis or there's something in your life right now or there's something that's going on that you just have this fear. And that's a real fear, isn't it? Fear of death. Now, maybe your fear is not that final. Maybe it's not that extent. How about the fear of failure? I'm just gonna give you a few that I have, and and maybe you do too. But there's the fear of failure. The fear of failure is that fear that keeps us from doing things or trying things because we're already convinced in our minds that's not gonna work out, right? We're already convinced that that we're going to fail. So we it's like, what's the point of trying? When you have a fear of failure, life stops being about what's new. It stops being about what's creative. It stops being about growing. It like takes you out of the game before you even start playing. That's the fear of failure. Maybe for you, there's the fear of rejection. It's the idea that you're never going to be good enough. And so you try harder and you work harder and you determine uh, to do better. But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, it doesn't really matter because you're still not going to be enough. And you begin to believe that you'll never be that wife. You'll never be the husband. You'll never be the father. You'll never be the child. You'll never be the employer, the employee, or the pastor that you want to be. You just don't have what it takes. Maybe some of you grew up with a mom or dad that you just, you just tried so hard to please because they had this way. They had this way of making you feel like you could never measure up. Maybe they even told you that. Man, I know some people whose parents have told them that they'll never amount to anything. And so they try hard and they work hard because they don't want to be rejected by these people who are their parents. Maybe you you have a fear of being rejected by your spouse because there are some people out there that have a very, very good way of kind of letting you know what they would like you to be like, right? And you don't measure up. And you have this fear of rejection. So I, I kind of face this fear every time I come up here, uh, every, every Sunday morning, because I know I'm not up here to please you. I'm here to please one person. But in my humanity, like I want to be liked by everyone. So I have a fear of being rejected by someone out there. I don't know what your fear is, but here's the thing. When we face and when we, when we focus on these fears enough, we begin to believe that they're true and it begins to shape our lives. And when you have a fear of rejection, it's often accompanied by the fear of loneliness because when you're afraid of losing people or losing things, you tend to push them away before they they have a chance to leave on their own. So there's the fear of death, fear of failure, fear of rejection. Uh, One more, what about the fear of change? And this isn't just for followers of Jesus, this is for all humanity. Like human beings don't like to change, Right? We love patterns. We we love what we can expect. We have these grooves in our brains that we kind of we we kind of run in. We're creatures of habit. It doesn't even have to be a bad change, it's just has to be any change. And and like 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 Penny and I are messed up because our iPhones were just updated. It's like I don't like this font kind of thing, right? We just don't like this change that comes into, into our lives. And just like in the fear of rejection. When it comes to change, we tend to focus on what we might lose rather than what we will gain on the other side of this. And so we fear the uncertainty and we fear what we might lose. And so we live with fear of change. I know there are a whole lot of other internal fears that we could focus on, but whatever they are, we have to deal with them because what's out there will not stay out there it becomes something that, that, that becomes inside of us. And when that fear becomes internal, it does not just affect us. It affects the other people around us. And even more importantly, it impacts our relationship with God. And when those fears become internal, that it's then when we we kind of move into this area of of spiritual storms. So it goes from external to internal to spiritual. And we begin to question God exactly what happened to the disciples. Listen, these are guys who gave up their entire lives to follow Jesus. These are the guys who walked with him and they responded to his invitation to follow me. They saw him work. They participated in the miracles. They ate with him. They followed him to the, the places where he taught. They even got into the boat with him. But now they're in this moment where they're pushed beyond a place and they are out of control. They can't control this storm. And they start fearing for their lives and they begin to question who God is. Their question to him was, don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're going to die? Man, that's exactly what we do sometimes when we're in this place of fear. We're pushed to this place where we are out of control and we're like, God, don't you care? Don't you care about me? At least that's what it seems like. God, my boat is taking on water. My life seems to be going down. Don't you care? Are you asleep somewhere? We ask those questions. See, it challenges our relationship with God. But listen, let me tell you this. I don't think this is a story to display the fact that God is neglectful or uncaring. I believe this story is given to show us a picture that God is at peace. He's at peace even in the midst of the storm. He's got a cushion, right? He's got a cushion and he's at rest. This is not about a God who is absent, but about a God who is present, but can sleep in the middle of a storm. But even with that, I kind of asked the question, why would he do that? And the only, question, the only answer I can come up with is because he is the God who's over the storm. He's the God who is over the wind. He is the God who is over every single storm that blows into our lives. He's over it all. He's got it. He's got it. And so that's why he can say this. And he's at peace. He's at peace. He's at rest. And he's inviting you into that. He's inviting me into that by asking us the question today, why do you fear? do you you still have no faith? And I want you to to hear God asking you that very question today. Because whatever it is that you're wrestling with, whatever fear that you have, this is a question that God is asking you as disciples. Why do you fear? Do you still have no faith? So here's what I I wanna, that's the first question. It's twofold. Why do you fear? Why do you have no faith? We're gonna put that into one question. But I wanna focus now on that second question that the disciples ask each other right after they saw what Jesus did, when he said, peace, be still. The disciples were like, who is this guy? Who is this man? Now, this actually brings us to the point of the story because this story is not about us. It's not about what we do in the middle of a storm. It's not about like, like steering the boat now in a different direction to face these waves. It's, it's not about rowing harder It's not about us learning how to swim better. It's not even us learning how to bail water out of the boat because the boat's taking on water. No, this is about replacing our fear with faith in Jesus who is in the boat with us. See, this whole month of December, we're not getting together just to celebrate a man who lived thousands of years ago. We're not getting together to celebrate a man who was a great teacher. We're not coming together to celebrate a man who was a great philosopher. No, we are coming together because we believe that Jesus is God and he came to us with the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. He's the one who came to bring peace on earth. He's the one who came to bring peace into our lives. He is the one who came to bring peace to to, to that which we long for. He came to do that. And so he's in the boat with us. He's not distant. He's not on the shore. He's not on this side or that side. No, he's right there in the middle of the storm with us. And I just want to say to all, all of you today, do not allow fear to steal your peace. Do not allow fear to keep you from doing what God is calling you to do. Do not allow fear to, to allow you to, uh, to trust in Him. I echo the message to Joseph, to Zachariah, to Mary and the shepherds today. I echo that advice and say it to you. Do not fear. Do not fear. The God who is in the boat is the God who left heaven and He came to earth. He lived this perfect life and then that life was taken from Him. But when that life was taken from Him, from Him, He took all of our sin right, canceled all of our debts and all the things that we have a reason to be afraid of. And then God was buried, right? He allowed himself to be buried for three days and, and, and then he rose again, bringing peace to the things that we fear more than anything else in life, death and sin. And I'm here today to tell you that if God can bring peace to death, he can bring peace to your life right now. Because you're not dead, right? He can bring peace to your life. And that is good news that you can accept today. The very fact that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He wants a relationship with you. Maybe you're here today. You're some of those people who came to faith out of a fear of going to hell right you understand that at some point that when 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 you breathe your last right there's there's a destiny an eternal destiny and someone told you maybe it was one of those fiery evangelists or whatever who did that hell fire and brimstone kind of message, right? If you die without Christ, you know, you're going to hell, whatever. And and you responded because you're like, I I don't want to live with this fear of what's going to happen when I close my eyes for the last time, like when I die. So you accepted Jesus Christ and came to faith out of fear. Listen, if that's you, that's okay. Listen, I'm glad that you came to faith. But listen, I want you to know today that faith is far more than for that one day when you die. I believe that faith is for the storms of life right now. Faith is for the storms that you will face when you walk out these doors today. Faith is something that you need for your life life today. Do not allow the idea of faith to be something that's only for a future destiny. Allow your faith to be a life companion. Remember the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that now lives within you. So when you leave here today, you might experience fear, and, and but you don't have to live in fear, right? We can't avoid all the fears that are out there. We're going to face them. It's kind of what life is all about, facing these fears. But you don't have to live in them. See, you live by faith. It is by faith that you have been saved. It is by faith that you live, not by fear. But it's a choice. It's a choice that we make. So as we kind of wrap up our time here this morning. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to release whatever fear that is in you tonight or this morning. I don't know how many of you have fears. Maybe maybe you're people of greater faith than I am, Uh, but some of us maybe have some fears. I want to give you an opportunity to release those fears this morning because I believe that God wants to do that work in us. On this side of the stage here, on this side of fear, we have a whole bunch of fear buckets. And the reason that there's a whole bunch of fear buckets is because there's a whole bunch of fears, right? On this side of the stage representing faith, there's one bucket, one faith bucket. And that's because there's only one way for you to release those fears. Now, I know this could get absolutely chaotic. This could be crazy here this morning. But as we sing this last song together, I want to invite you to come. These buckets are filled with three by five cards and golf pencils. And I want you to just take out that three by five card and write down what you're afraid of. One word, two words, maybe it's a sentence. You might have time to fill out that whole card. In fact, what I'll do is I'll spread some out over the front of the stage here because it it could get full over here. Again, I don't know how many fears are here, but I want to invite you to come. Take a card out of there, write your fear on it, and then bring it over here and drop it in the faith bucket. At the end of the song, I'm gonna take this faith bucket with all of the fears, your fears. We're gonna surrender that to Jesus this morning. We're gonna surrender that to God. And I'm gonna ask that he would replace every one of those fears in this bucket with faith. A faith that will bring you peace. A peace in the middle of whatever storm it is. So we're gonna sing this amazing song and I invite you to come. Invite you to come and this is an invitation for all of us. I know for those of you in the balcony, you have some traveling to do. I'll tell you what I'll do at the very end of this. If you choose not to come down or you choose not to leave your seat, I'm gonna hold the bucket up and you kind of toss them and we're gonna do an airdrop, all right? I'll catch them wherever they are. You just throw your fears in, we're gonna catch those at the very end and then we're gonna offer them up to God this morning because I believe that God wants to do a work in your fears right now. He wants to work on you. Whatever fear it is, feel free to surrender it this morning. I'll probably be the first one to the bucket, unless some of you closer uh, get there, but let's just stand together and let's sing this. And as we sing, let's surrender those fears that are in your life right now. So I invite you to come.
1: Up, oh heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. We get a bucket full. Anybody else out there just want to airdrop one in here? Like I said, we'll catch them. It doesn't matter if you put a card in here or whether you just made that commitment in your own heart this morning that you want to surrender a particular fear to God. I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that he would take all of these fears and replace them with his amazing peace. Let's pray together. God, whatever fear is represented in this bucket this morning, whether it's fear for family, children, grandchildren, whether it's fears of finances, fears of failure, fears of rejection, fears of the future, fears of man, whatever, whatever it is, Lord, right now, in this place, we offer all these fears to you. God, you're the one who came to bring peace, not fear. And we ask right now that the God, you as the God of peace, would trade and exchange our fears for your incredible peace. We pray this in the name of the one who calms storms simply by saying peace, be still. God, we just pronounce peace over this room today and over everyone that's that's surrendered their fears today. And even if this is not a this is not a magical moment, maybe even if you surrender this fear today, you won't feel something immediate release, but it's the beginning of a faith that can now grow in you. And so God, I pray that that faith would grow, that faith would increase as we focus on faith rather than fear. God, give us your incredible peace today for whatever it is that we're facing. And we give you thanks for that incredible promise. Thank you for that character. Thank you for that provision. In Jesus' name, God's church said, Amen, amen.